0: Serve a good God and a faithful God. You excited to be in the house of the Lord? Yes, Amen. Let's get in the word. Let's get in the word. So we've been in a series that was titled Rhythms. And today is the conclusion, today is part five of this rhythm series. If you haven't heard it or if you missed any portion of it, they're all online. You can go to our Vimeo page and you can watch any of the preachings. And we have some CDs of them back there and our CDs are free. So grab it, listen to it, share it with somebody. But we've been talking about rhythms. And you do nothing establishing your rhythms if you don't guard them afterwards. So today we're going to be talking about guarding our rhythms. Now we talked about some of the things in the previous weeks. We talked about some of the things that mess up your rhythm, right? So the first week we talked about that going too fast can mess up your rhythm. Doing too much, having too much can mess up your rhythm and being inconsistent can mess up your rhythm. Can we talk about the heart for a second? What happens if your heart is beating way too fast? Cardiologist says there's a problem. What happens if your, your, your heart is beating inconsistently and you have arrhythmias and you have different stuff? You gotta get a pacemaker installed. You gotta get it fixed because if it's not beating the way it's supposed to. It can cause detrimental issues in the same way that if we don't have the right rhythms, it can mess up our life. Now, there's a few things that I want to talk about this morning that rhythms that we need to have in place. We've talked a little bit about these and we're going to jump into the guarding it in a minute, but we need to ensure that we have rhythm, or, or the areas of fatigue in our life that are being hit are the areas of emotions, the emotion, your physical, your time, and your finances, right? These areas of fatigue that are knocking us off our rhythm. And what do we need to establish? We need to establish a devotion rhythm, devotional rhythm. What do I mean by that? We need to have daily Bible reading. We need to have daily pursuit in worship. We need to do what we're doing right now, gathering together as a congregation to worship the Lord. You know, for me, a weekend doesn't pass by that I don't go to church. It's just, it, it, it doesn't, I was in Dallas last week, and I went to multiple church services while I was there. As a matter of fact, the Saturday night service that we went to at Gateway Church was specifically for Patty and me and 3W Church. Pastor, what are you talking about? I went to a service at a church that I've never been to, probably one of the most prosperous churches in America, Gateway is, and the pastor who was preaching was not the pastor who was supposed to preach. The pastor who was supposed to preach got pneumonia the day before. So they called this other pastor to preach, and he they were finishing a series of giving and things of that, and this gentleman begins to recount the testimony that he went through as a pastor, how he was sent out by Gateway to launch a church. They launched a church, they were meeting in a school, the budget was out of whack, and they, they started subleasing from another church in the area. And as they're subleasing in that church and everything's going well, the church tells them, we're losing our building to foreclosure. Maybe you guys can buy it, but they were only a one-year-old church, so they couldn't buy it They didn't have the resources. They couldn't have the financing So they said man, I guess we're just moving back to the school So he goes to a board of elders meeting and he's there with pastor robert morris and the board of elders And they're like how's the church and he says well, you know church is thriving It's going well, but the building we're in the church is losing it So we're gonna have to go back to the high school and they said, well, don't you want the building? He's like, yeah, but pastor, we can't afford it. We don't have the resources. And the pastor looked at him and said, can you recuse yourself from this meeting for a minute? Says so he put his set down. He walked outside thinking like, what did I say? That they're kicking me out of the meeting, right? So they call him back in 15 minutes later and they asked him the question. The pastor asked him and said, do you want the building? He said, yes, we want the building, but we can't. He's like, the board has met and decided we're giving you $2.5 million to go buy the building. Patty and I looked at ourselves and we said, we know 3W's building is coming. Amen. We flew to Dallas and sat in a service with a preacher who wasn't supposed to preach to encourage my faith that God's going to bring us our building. Right? Devotion. So even when you're out of town, man, I go out of town on vacation and I, I really don't miss Sundays. That's not, usually that's not for me. The first Sunday uh, that I miss and didn't go to church in probably eight years or longer was when my whole family got the flu and I had to stay home taking care of them. I don't miss it. Even if we're on vacation, we find a place to go worship because I need it. So we need to have a rhythm of devotion, a rhythm in our family family nights. Why are families in such a chaos? Because we don't have family nights. We don't spend time with our kids. We don't spend time with our spouse. You know, we were supposed to go on Sunday. That's what we were supposed to do. But I love my wife. And I guess what? I love spending time with my wife. Did you guys know that? I thrive. spending. I, I enjoy it. And so we decided Dallas is only an hour and a half from Waco and she's always wanted to go to Magnolia Farms. She loves fixer-upper and all the things. So let's fly a day and a half earlier. We flew on Friday night. We picked up the girls from school, we dropped them off with my mom, and then we headed to the airport, flew in, went to the hotel to get up early the next day and drive to Magnolia. We prayed in the car, we went over there, we had fun, we had a, it was so refreshing, it was so relaxing, it was so renewing. Then God spoke to us in the service, then we got to be in the service on Sunday with Pastor Landon. It was an amazing time. I needed time with my wife without three children, where you can just be. And it's imperative to do that. We're highly blessed that we have grandparents. that are Not our grandparents. Our grandparents have always been with the Lord. But our parents, my wife and I, our parents help us with the girls. It's awesome. And we try to use them. My dad started taking them to school once or twice a week. My mom has them in the afternoon sometimes. My mother-in-law gets them. Why? So that we can have some time. Because family devotion or family... Rhythm is important. Relationships. What do I mean by relationships? You know, there's some relationships or friendships that we need to have because they help us. And the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. But guess what? There's other relationships we got to cut. There's some relationships that drain and they take us out of rhythm and we've got to cut them. Our health. We're living in a time where people are supposed to be living longer than ever before, but people are dying at early ages. Why? Because we're eating a lot of garbage. We're putting a lot of garbage into our body. We're not taking care of our body, and before you know it, we've got cholesterol, we got blood, uh, uh, we got high blood pressure, we've got diabetes, we've got all kinds of stuff, and it's taking our life out of rhythm and cutting it short. We need to have growth. Did you know that you don't stop learning when you leave school? I mean, it, 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 I hope my doctor continues to study. Okay. I hope that my accountant knows all the tax codes, the new ones. I pray that my teachers dealing with my, stu- with my my kids know what the new standards are. We don't stop learning. We have to continue and have a rhythm of that. And lastly, rest. Probably the most transgressed law in the Bible is breaking the Sabbath. I'm not talking about that you have to spend a day that you don't do anything or that is Saturday. Listen, the Bible tells us that we need to rest. And God instituted it. He showed it to us. He created everything and then took a day to have fellowship with man. We need to have a day of rest. The United States took it a day further. They say you got to take two days off. Work five days, take two. And God's like, all right, that, that works. So those are some of the things that we need to work on. Now, we have to work on setting a rhythm. Setting a rhythm. Now, you cannot set your rhythm. You cannot base your rhythms on better and more. The majority of people base their rhythms on better and more. Better things, more stuff. And we can't face our rhythms or base our rhythms on better and more. We can't base it on better and And more Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 12, people who work hard, or as I was reading a different translation, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit them to sleep. Read that one more time. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Jim Carrey, everybody know who Jim Carrey is? He said this a couple, a couple years back. He said, I wish that everyone would be rich and famous so that they would understand that being rich and famous do not bring you happiness. Pretty, pretty strong statement. Somebody who is rich and famous. They did studies about wealth and it, happiness that it brings. And they were able to conclude that there is a small correlation to more happiness in a person the more money they make up to about $70,000 a year. Small correlation, not huge, small correlation. And at about $70,000, it begins to plateau all the way to about $200,000. And at about $200,000, it actually begins to go back down because now they're worried about everything they could lose. You can look up the studies online. More does not make you happy. As a matter of fact, our rhythms, they should be based on virtue and truth. Values and truth, another way of describing it. Values. What do you value? If I were to ask most of you right now, if you ask me, what do you value the most in your life? I'm probably going to tell you the truth. My relationship with God. Now, here's the question I'm going to ask you. Do the rhythms of your life show that you value that first? And then I'll say, what do I value most after that? My wife, my children. Do the rhythms of my life demonstrate the value that I have for my wife and my children? I mean, I love you guys. you guys know I love you? I, I do. I love you guys. Let me tell you something. You take the back seat to Patty and Abigail, Alexandra and Samantha every single day. You will take back seat to them. I'm going to put them because I value them. And then obviously I value you guys. I value the church. But we need to have the priorities in place. What's the truth? The word of God. So many of us have a life out of rhythm because we don't know what the Bible says. The other day, Patty had massive conviction as she was reading her daily Bible study, her daily Bible reading. Why, what was it she convicted on? We're not animal people. My wife and I are not animal. We don't have anything against animals, but we don't have pets. The truth is, if we had a pet, it it would be a disservice to the animal because we're always so busy. It's never going to get walked. It's never going to, it's going to happen. You know, everybody's going to then call the, you know, the, 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 yeah, they're going to say these guys are bad pet people, right? So we're not animal people. Do you know that there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that talks about treating animals right? So Patty reads this and she calls me. She's like, Oh my God, God just convicted me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I like, this verse in Proverbs is talking about taking care of the animals and, and, and this and that or the other. And I'm like, all right, praise God. Even spoke to you about that, right? Like, God speaks us. It is in the scripture. You got to know what the scripture says, church is the point I'm trying to prove. And then once you set your rhythm, you got to guard it. See, we do nothing. We did this series. I've talked to so many of you after service or throughout the weeks. Pastor, this preaching has been awesome. This has been amazing. I'm adjusting things in my life. I'm getting things in order. If I talk to you three months later and you reverted back to where you were, it means you didn't guard the rhythm. It's like somebody who goes on a diet, loses 25 pounds, and then you see them three months later and they gained 84. Did nothing. Did nothing. So once you've set the rhythms... Then we have to start guarding our rhythms. And the first way, the first thing that we need to do, guys, to guard our rhythms is this word. It's contentment. We need to learn how to be content. Content. The majority of people do not live a life of contentment. Instead of pursuing happiness, church, we need to pursue contentment. Contentment. Contentment and money, let's talk about that for a second. The poor envy the rich. The rich envy the richer. True or not? It's because they're climbing the ladder of more and better. They just want more and better. More stuff, more things, more money, more of the other. And what they're doing is climbing the wrong ladder. We need to understand that money can give you a thrill, but it does not give you satisfaction. You know what gives you satisfaction? When you can bless people, doesn't it? How many of you have given a homeless care package this week? We gave them out last week. How many? What experiences have you not had? When they come and you give somebody, by the way, if you didn't get one, we still have about 35 or 40 homeless care packages there. Take them this week. Please bless somebody. You go out of your way and you say, this is for you. God bless you. What is the church trying to do by doing this? Teaching you some biblical truths. It's amazing to give. There is a joy in blessing people. Not in just hoarding it in contentment again money gives us a thrill but does not give you satisfaction do you know that contentment is a command in the bible hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 hebrews 13 5 look at what it says let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Contentment is a command. Paul said it best in Philippians chapter 4. What if Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." Whether I know how to be abased or have a lot and I know how to abound, I wed everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. But one thing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. You know when a lot of times we talk about this verse? When we want more. We're going through something that's like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but read it in context. Paul said, I can do everything through Christ. I can have a lot or I can have a little. I can be in this or I can be in that, but I've learned. I can do it all through Christ who gives me strength. Paul was being content. You know who's a good example of not knowing contentment? Our children. Right? Right? I was listening to Pastor Jonathan Stockton talk about this. And he was saying that, you know, he he has two daughters and they both take piano and they take 30 minute classes. My daughter takes piano and uh, one takes piano, one takes guitar, but they do it on separate days. His daughters do them back to back. So usually he takes one, drops her off, and stays with the other one in the car doing something or whatever. Half an hour passes, and they switch him. But he got there one day, and he had to go to the grocery store. So he just said, okay, you guys are both staying. So you're going to wait for your sister while she practices. And then while you practice, your sister's going to wait for you. So he picks him up an hour later. How was piano? It was horrible. What do you mean it was horrible? It was so boring. We had to wait for hours. One hour, 30 minutes. Kind of talks a little bit about that perspective part that we talked about a few weeks ago too. Learning how to be content, church. We guard our rhythms with contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. Now, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And it reminds me of this man who had acquired a lot of wealth. And he was dying and he told his wife, listen, when I die, I want you to put all my money in the casket. I want you to put everything in there. And she said, okay, honey, I will. And she had told her friends that she was going to honor his request or whatnot. And the guy passes away and they have the funeral. And at the end of the day, she goes right before they close the casket, she goes up to the front, put something inside. And then they close the casket. And her friends come and say, I can't believe you did that. You gave him, you put all the money. I was like, yes, I did. I honored his request. I just wrote him a check. Some of you that don't know what checks are, still trying to figure it out. But anyways, for those of you that are young, checks are these pieces of paper that you can write to people, and they go to the bank, and they change it, and give them money on behalf of the check, okay? So for those of you that didn't get it, he can't cash the check. All right. More. It's okay to laugh, right? Some of you might be new and you're like, man, this pastor is crazy. He preaches and he laughs at the same time. We got to laugh. It brings joy. It brings good. Here's the problem with more and better. They're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. Again, you see it in your kids. My daughter will save up money to buy an American girl doll. And she will not spend a penny to save it. The only thing she takes money out of her bank, a little thingy from, is for offering. Every Sunday, she pulls out her offering to give in the kids' ministry next door. We're teaching them the value of sewing and we're teaching them the importance of it, and tithing. But she will save up her money by the American girl, and leave the store saying, Now I'm saving for the other one. Yeah. Like she hasn't even taken it out of the box. And she's planning for the next one. No. Church, more and better will never be satisfied, which is why we cannot base our rhythms on more and better. We have to base our rhythms on values and truth. Are you with me? Here, yeah. let me give you four things on how to be content. Are you ready? Four things on how to be content. Number one, you need to divorce from society's standards. You need to divorce from society's standards. The world says... I know, I'm sorry, I didn't make a slide for this one. I know you guys are waiting for... Some of you are waiting for that one. And you looked at me like, I can't find it. Uh, I didn't make... This one does not have a slide. <laughs> divorce from society's standards. The world says, bigger house, bigger this, bigger the other. All, more, 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 more. You got to divorce from society's standards. Number two... You need to turn off the ads. We cannot go and do anything without getting ads in our face, can't you? I mean, kind out loud, you got to go put a worship song on YouTube and you first got to watch an ad. It gives you five seconds, and then you can skip it, but you got to watch an ad. And what do ads do? Ads tell you about that thing that you need, that you didn't know you needed. So let me give you the secret. If you didn't know you need it, it's because you don't say that one more time. If you didn't know you need it, it's because you don't. Steve Jobs, when he made the Apple iPhone, all of the people around him, all of his, you know, people in the board, all this stuff, they looked at him and they said, why are you doing that? Nobody will ever buy it. Nobody needs it. He said, people just don't know they need it yet. Now we've got iPhone, iWatch, iPad, everything. Everything's together, connected. You get one, you got to get it all turn off the ads. Number three, you need to develop counter habits. Develop counter habits. What do I mean by develop counter habits? Man, right now you can just order anything and it arrives at your door, sometimes within hours, right? You go to Amazon Prime now. We had to do it at church. Last year at one point, Pastor Zach walks in. He's like, pastor, I forgot to tell you, we're out of strings for the guitars. I was like, do you have one set? He's like, I think I can get through Spanish service, but I don't know for English. So we went on Amazon Prime now, and we ordered guitar strings. And during Spanish service, some lady walked up and dropped off guitar strings, and he restrung the guitar in between services. It was amazing! You can order everything online. But here's the problem. We order and we buy, but we don't replace anything from our closet. You get a new shirt, you get a new dress, you get a new pair of shoes. And all you do is add it to the collection. I went to somebody's house a few months ago. A guy had over 100 pairs of shoes in their boxes in the closet. Got one pair of feet. (laughs) Come on now. Counter relationships. If something comes in, something needs to go out. My wife tells me that all the time. You got a new shirt, one's got to go out. Got to need this, one's got to go out. Why? Because you're just getting more and more, and you need a bigger house, not because you need more space for people, you need more space for stuff. Some of you can't even have somebody come over to your house because they can't walk through the path of stuff you have created in the house. So we got to create counter habits. And this one's key. You ready for this one? Surround yourself with people who get it. Surround yourself with people who get it. What do I mean by that? You need to have like-minded people that when they go, oh, let's go to watch this movie. I'm sorry, I haven't had a date night with my wife this week, so guess what? I'm not going on a double date with you. Pastor, I get it. Somebody who understands that when you make the decisions you're making, they get it because they're making the same rhythm choices in their life as well. So those are the four things on how to combat it. And lastly, I want you to write this down. Watch this now. God is what we need. Things are just what we use. God is what we need. Things are what we use. Church, the first thing to guard your rhythms is contentment. The second thing to guard your rhythms is this, simplicity. Simplicity. That's how you guard your rhythms, with simplicity. As a matter of fact, contentment facilitates simplicity. Contentment facilitates simplicity. And in order to conquer the cycles of overload and stress in our lives, we just need simplicity. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't make it so elaborate, so crazy, to then you're all discombobulated and out of whack. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he was a very simple king, wasn't he? Jesus, the greatest king in the history of the world, was the most simple. What did he say in the scripture? Foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay down his head. Get something. I want you to understand, I'm not preaching poverty. And I'm not preaching sell all your stuff and go live under a tree and receive the homeless care packages that we give out. That's not what I'm preaching. Okay? I'm preaching about keeping things simple. Jesus modeled simplicity better than anyone, and his simplicity was not accidental. The people would come to him, let's make you king, we're going to make you king. He's like, no, you're not. What would he, he would heal people and be like, hey, don't tell anybody. He modeled simplicity. And here's the question I have for you. Are we called to live like a king or to be like the king of kings? Here's the problem. Too many Christians today will preach to you the verse that says, put ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will come after, right? Seek first the kingdom but the majority of Christians don't seek the kingdom first. Pastor, are you saying that? Yes, I'm saying that. The majority of Christians do not seek the kingdom of God first because church, if we were seeking the kingdom of God first, we would put God as our number one and align our rhythms to what he has for our life and keeping the things simple. See, let me tell you what simplicity is. Simplicity is freeing. Simplicity frees us. Simplicity is uncluttered. Uncluttered. Simplicity is focused. Simplicity brings us focus. Have you ever watched a movie or or gone to the circus and they got a lion in a cage and the lion tamer comes out with like a stool? Anybody ever seen that before? Does anybody know why? See, they've figured out that when they hold this in front of the lion, the lion doesn't know which leg to focus on. And because he doesn't know which leg to focus on, he gets tame. And guess what? In our life, the same. If you make your life simple, you're able to focus on what's important. I mean, have you ever been in a third world country? or in a place of extreme poverty, and you see kids with playing with something that your kids wouldn't even touch with a 10-foot pole, and they are smiles from ear to ear, and their parents are also happy and joyful, and they don't have much, but they are just have the simpleness. Again, I'm not preaching, and I'm going to talk to you in a second when we get into what simplicity is not. Simplicity is focused. Simplicity is disciplined. It keeps you disciplined. And simplicity is healthy. When you're so focused and stressed on all these other things that are around you, it gets us out of whack. Now here's what simplicity is not. Simplicity is not easy. It's not easy. Simplicity is not legalistic. Simplicity is not proud or arrogant. Simplicity is not impoverished. Again, I'm not talking about selling everything off and going to live in a hut. I'm talking about keeping things simple. Because the truth is, if you keep the things simple and stop trying to climb the ladder of more and better, you'll actually have more in your bank account. So many times... People are struggling, not because they don't make enough money, or some people in our politics call it a living wage, it's because they're living out of their means. Which is when we talked about finances in the beginning of the series, we talked not live within your means, live below your means. What's the number one mistake people do when they get a raise? They increase their spending. The truth is, if you set a budget and you get a raise, save what you can to be able to get yourself in a better tomorrow, to be able to experience the joy of blessing people. Some of you have the heart, oh man, I want to bless this person, but you can't. Why? Because your life is so out of whack and it's not simple. I heard a pastor one time tell the congregation they were in a building project and they said, church, I have amazing news. All of the money for the new building has been acquired. And everybody started cheering, and he said, but it's still in your pockets. <laughs> Some people say that to be a Christian, you have to take a vow of poverty, and that's not biblical. God said he wants you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. The problem is if you are basing the rhythms of your life on the better and more, it'll never be satisfied and it'll never be enough and you'll always continue in the same place. But if you simplify, you're able to achieve more. Simplicity is not ignorant. I said it at the beginning when I talked about the rhythms that we need to establish or the devotions. We need to grow. We need to read. The scripture number one, And then you need to read other materials that'll help you grow. If you're a parent, you should read books on how to parent. If you're married, you should read books. Like, for example, the five languages of love. That'll help you understand the love language of your spouse and vice versa. So that you can grow together. If you're in whatever career, you need to grow. Simplicity is not being ignorant. Uh, Never mind, I can't say it. so want to be in the flesh, but I need to stay in the spirit. Simplicity is not escapist. What do I mean by that? To keep a simple life, it doesn't mean sell everything off and go buy a tiny home and set up off the grid in the middle of nowhere and stay in a corner. That does, that's not what simplicity means. As a matter of fact, for some of you guys, that might be like hell on earth. No running water and toilets and stuff. I think it would, For me, it would be hell on earth. It's not escapist. Now, where should we seek simplicity? Number one, in your possessions and your finances. Simplicity. In your possessions and your finances. In your pace and atmosphere. Simple. In your pursuits. Simplicity. In your relationships. Simplicity. In your activities. Simplicity. If you have kids and you have, the, you know, like they're in soccer and then they're in dance and they're in ballet and they're in the other and then you're like running from one place to the other and there's no time for anything. You're teaching them how to live an out of pace life. So even in your activities, simplicity. Our daughter tells us all the time, oh, we want to do this or we want to do that. Okay, right now you're each learning an instrument. You're going to school super far from our house because it's an amazing program and we have that sacrifice going on. And we do our family. There's no room for another activity. There's not. This is what we're doing for right now. They get it. Activities, simplicity. See, we have too much going on and our rhythms are chaotic and unintentional. We feel strapped emotionally, physically, our time and our money. Again, those were the four areas of fatigue. We spent two full Sundays preaching about that. So here's the solution to it all. Balance. Rest, contentment, and simplicity. Balance, rest, contentment, simplicity. You know, we talked about margins in our time, right? But we always think we can do one more thing. It happened to us this week. Patty was here at the church with me. We were working on stuff. She was getting things ready for Sunday school. And I looked at the clock and I said, hey, you got to take off to go pick up Alexandra. She's like, no, I still have a few minutes. If I leave in a few minutes, I get there on time. I was like, Hey, you're not leaving space for margins. I use the word margins for something to happen. She gets in the car and she leaves and she goes down 132nd. Usually we do 132nd to Killian, down Killian to the 878 to get to 874 to 878 to get to the school. She gets to Killian. Killian is closed off with yellow police tapes and all kinds of stuff. So she took a picture and texts me. I need to have margins. We always think, I can do one more thing. I can buy one more thing. I can go to one more place. And then we're living just trying to tread water. It happens to all of us, worship team, as you come to the altar. You know, last year, not even just last year, it happened again a few weeks ago. But specifically one case last year, this Pastor in California of a church of over 1,000 members. Took his life at the church. And when things like that go, it spreads throughout the pastoral community. I never met him. I didn't know of him. I didn't know of him. I didn't know who the heck he was beforehand. This is a gentleman a couple years younger than me with a wife and children. And so you start looking back at his life, right? We lower the guitar a little bit start looking at his life. His dad was the pastor of the church and his dad got sick and passed away. So the board of the church needed to find a new pastor. They didn't know who to put, so they named him. He takes over the church trying to maintain what his dad has built, push forward. He's going and doing all these different things. A couple years pass and and he's going and he just has so much weight and stress and all these things that one day on Good Friday, the security of the church was doing a looking through the church, whatever, and they found him in the bathroom in the fetal position. So they called a meeting with his wife and the board of the church, the governance of the church, and they told him, you need a mandatory sabbatical, and he took a sabbatical. He comes back from his sabbatical, and two weeks later, he takes his life. You look at his last two preachings, you know what they were on? Depression, the statistics of depression in our country. All of these different things... If you looked at his Instagram, his life was amazing. But he was out of rhythms. Some of you are gonna ask me now, and say, Hey, Pastor, are you good? I promise you, I'm good. I'm straight. I guarantee you that if I ever feel that way, I will go work at McDonald's and hand over the church to somebody else. I'm not jeopardizing my wife and my children for anything. So you have my word. If I ever becomes too much, I will hand over the reins and I will still assist. I will never stop going to church. But some of us need to do that with other areas of our life. Because if you keep a life going out of rhythm, we talked in the beginning of the series, what is rhythm? It is something that you can do over and over again without getting exhausted of it. The belt on a car spins thousands and thousands, millions of times. The belt on my Volvo, or, or my, my mom drives it now, you have to change it at 100,000 miles. You know how many times that belt spun before you change it? As long as it's in the right groove, it's going to last. And God built you to last. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundant But the lack of rhythm in our life is causing us to not walk in God's best. So church, how do we find or what do we do as the solution? It's balance, it's rest, it's contentment, and it's simplicity. I told you guys at the beginning of this series, I'm your pastor. But your pastor is not just supposed to tell you Bible, Bible, Bible. A pastor needs to show you how to stand on your legs and be able to have a life of longevity to fulfill your call in the kingdom. And if your life is emotionally and fatigued, physically in fatigue, if your time is fatigued and if your finances are in fatigue, you can't have the best that God has for you. So let's strive to bring balance, rest, contentment, and simplicity so that we can fulfill the call of God in our lives.